Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. We appreciate your joining us today. I have with me in the studio artist Doug Capes. Thanks for coming in today. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Lovely place. Thank you. We are very um, intrigued by the work that you do, Doug, and specifically this piece that you brought in today, because it, it actually kind of reminds me of, of Maine, of the pastoral nature of Maine, mm-hmm. the farming community. What's the name of this piece? Well, this is called The Evening Before, and what it refers to is the evening before the mowing. So that's why those... Um, uh, um, uh, farm equipment pieces are, are sort of staged there. Um, yeah, the the rural aspect of New England it just grabs me, you know, as we were talking earlier. I just have this affinity for the um, natural space, the out, the outdoors, you know. I, I kind of feel that uh, um, it understands me, <laughs> and I understand it. And so I like being into it. And so this is the general feel, this image here. And this is one of my very um, favorite go-to places to paint. Uh, it's the general field is just below the, um, the um, Groton School in Groton, Mass. And uh, so that's the prep school. Just below it, to the south of it, is, is the town of Ayr. But in between it is this general field. And uh, when I first started painting this scene about 10 years ago, uh, and th- this, is, this is an old painting of mine, um, but uh, it was very um, rustic. The, the houses were rustic. They needed paint. They, they were empty, and the barns were empty. Um, not that they were still being used, but they they were empty, and um, and I just started painting, and I and I was just so fascinated because the light would uh, come up from well, the east would be like we would be east of this, and then off to the west is Mount Wachusett, which was the tallest peak in the area. You know, small as I think it's like I think it's three thousand feet in elevation, um, and. Uh, the, um, the the light just moved across there. It was so good. And I was just so fascinated by the way light will land on, on these old clabbered structures and, and, you know, and the foliage, you know. Um, so I, um, that's what it's about. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to ramble, but, you know, I, I, I try to get into the gush of the color of the, you know, the, um, like transposing what you know about paint. Uh, not transposing, but uh, uh, I would say uh, reconciling what you know about paint and application of paint and then what nature is doing. Uh, I hate using that word, nature. But, uh, you know, what, what your environment is, is doing and how it's reacting, that vibration between the two. So I'm always trying to understand what that vibration is, and that's what I'm trying to capture, if that makes any kind of sense at all. You know, sometimes it works, and sometimes, it, you know, it's very elusive. But, you know, yeah. 
I think I just wanted to paint the light in the window there, but that was it. You know, oh, that's yeah. actually keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that is really interesting to look at that that middle that middle structure and that light, and to think that you could actually kind of uh, create something around it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The um, the surrounding is. Um, um, it's the environment that you're in, you know. I like uh, architectural structures. I used to live down the Cape, and um, I would, um, we, in fact, I lived in Provincetown for a, a summer, and I loved walking in the side streets down there because of these old, old clabbered, um, you know, houses that were. Uh, um, the original house, and then the add-on, and then the add-on, and then the add-on, and then the shapes that they made as they tumbled down the street, and then the foliage would come into it. And I just so, you know, I just so connected with that. It, it resonated with me. And I, um, I always wanted to, you know, figure out how to um, express that, you know. And um, So I'm still trying to figure that out, you know. So, but... When I, yeah. I mean, it's, hearing you speak, your your words are, you know, gushing and tumbling, and there's so much activity to your words and so much of a sense of energy that comes out of the external environment and your desire to, to, to use the tools that you have to put it onto a... a two-dimensional surface i mean you're you're trying to bring something that's multi-dimensional and translate it so that we have that to participate in i guess but that's such an interesting challenge yeah yeah wow that's really well said i can I, you should be my publicist <laughs> that's great that's kind of how i feel about it that's um it's hard to put into words but yes you know uh, I, I do um instructional courses, uh, sometimes online, sometimes uh, in person. And so one of the things that I talk about, one of the themes I talk about that making a painting is sort of like conducting a symphony orchestra. Now, I have no musical ability whatsoever, but I love to listen to music, and I love, love the classical music, you know. Um, and so... Uh, y because the beginning painters, which is mostly who I instruct as beginning painters, you know, uh, you want to get in there, you want to finish the painting up in two minutes, you know. And so I always talk about how it's bringing everything up, bringing the piccolos, bringing the, the strings, bringing the brass, bringing it all along, and then hearing the sounds, finding the balance, stop with the vague, and then move to the specific, you know. So oftentimes, uh, uh, for me, that's a process of discovery. Uh, I don't know where the paintings will finally end up. I just sort of have, uh, like, when I start, you know, most of my work is done in the studio. I do work plein air whenever I can, but often I can't. I just, be, and, and so I, over the years, most of my work is done in the studio. So it gives me this sort of, um, you know, um, um, envelope, uh, what's the word I'm thinking, a bubble that I can work in, you know, where I can uh, shut out that uh, the external um, um, 
you know, the, the delivery man, the passerby who wants to tell you about their uncle who painted, you know, and all that stuff. And, 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 and so um, it, it helps me to sort of hear the colors, if that makes any sense. So, so, uh, so I, I liken it to, to that, to that conducting, because you have to bring up all the, you know, all the issues, you know, the, the color, um, uh, uh, the, the texture, um, the weight, uh, line, uh, you, you know, just the basics, the elements of, of, of painting. And um, uh, so, and I can just keep, every time I say and, that means I'm like, what's the next thing I want to say? But I don't always want to say so. I don't say so much, you know. Um, lately, uh, with the last few years, it's been, I really have uh, been more um, introverted, uh, uh, more reclusive, and my wife sort of has to drag me out of the house a little bit. Not that I'm, you know, I'm not um, crazy about it, but um, um, I'm just reluctant to, um, to venture out into society so much these days. So one of the things that is a result of that is where for the last seven, ten years, most of my paintings have been landscapes or still lifes where there's nobody in them and, and the streets are empty and the fields are empty. Now I'm bringing people into the picture. So I have this desire to understand you know, how that works with painting. And and it goes. It takes me back to my teenage years when one of my first heroes was uh, Rembrandt, you know. And I thought, gee, boy, if I could just, you know, if I could just paint like Rembrandt, you know, that I, you know, how does, you know, th there's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer that symphony, that building up, that you know, that symphony of uh, of color. I thought uh, that would be good, but then you know. Uh, you know, other things come along, and you know, I lose focus. And uh, um, uh, in um, uh, art school, or you know, I, I went to a, um, uh, a school where my roommates and I—we were uh, all in the art program, and uh, we um, we. Um, were dedicated, you know, almost like cultists or something. You know, you know, we would uh, go into class and hear the lecture on painting, and then we'd rush home and go to the studio and just, you know, work all day and work all night until you, you know, until you ran out of steam, waiting for that next fix. We had a very inspiring painting teacher and a very wise, uh, calm, understanding, uh, helpful uh, drawing teacher and sculpture teacher, and uh, so. Those, uh, I don't know why I went there, but I just, uh, I think of them all the time, you know, the, the, the lessons, and uh, often they come back and like, what did he mean by that, you know? <laughs> and, and the painting teacher used to always say that you have to come down from up there to do art. <laughs> you, got, you got to step down. And so I was always, what does he mean by that? You know, what does that, I mean, I, I think I know what that means, you know, yeah, you're, you're sort of like, in an elevated mental state or whatever, but to actually make the paintings, you got to step into the dirt and you got to get your hands dirty and paint on your, 
on your shoes and everything. So I was really good at that, getting paint on my shoes. Um, uh, but um, um, lately I've been thinking about, um, you know, Vladimir Nabokov, his book, The Gift? So I've been thinking like, I think that's what he's talking about. And, and so it's that um, passing through, you know, you're passing through your existence, your life, your essence, who you are, you're, you're living that out in this world. And, you know, we really don't know anything, you know, we're, we're just like, you know, I mean, we're just guessing all the time and we're, but we're going on intuition. We're going on, uh, you know, the lessons that we learn from pain or from wise, you know, counsel. And I, I, um, so, I th- so that's kind of where my head's been at lately. It's like, well, I'm getting near the end now. You know, this journey has is, is been pretty interesting. Getting near the end, what do I, what are my last, what are my last statements that, that I want to leave before I'm, you know, off out of here, you know, before I check out, <laughs> you know? So I think about that a lot. I think about that uh, phases of, of life. So if you're talking about your legacy, which it sounds like that's what you're describing. Yeah, I guess that's part, that's an aspect of it, yeah. Yeah, so what, you what have do to you... Have a, you, have, you have to have a legacy to leave one, I suppose. But that's what I was going to ask. So yeah. what, what what is it that you, if somebody's coming along behind you and seeing the work that you've created, what do you hope that legacy will be? Yeah. Gosh, that's a good question. I never thought of that. No one's ever asked me before. Um I um well when I do instruction um I try to make two things really clear the first one is is I say this is how I do it it's not how you're going to do it but but this is how I approach it and hopefully what you'll pick up is process and mental, you know, you, you, the mental process to get from A to B, but also the, the, um, your process, you know, your, your, the stick, the, the perseverance that you need. And then the second thing is, is when, when people say, oh, is this what you want me to do? And I go like, no, I don't want you to do anything except for what comes out of you. So that's, if anything, that's what I, I would want other painters who, um, uh, come after me <laughs> all the painters you know that that are serious about painting is 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 you know that traveling that path where you discover what's coming out of you you know what what your what your message is you know and i'm you know i i i don't know i'm still looking for it you know i'm i'm sometimes uh you know, I think like art painting is like magic, like magic, like computers are magic. You know, um, for a while I was really into relational databases, Microsoft Access, and just building them, making them do things, and and the way you would connect disparate entities with us with a common entity, and I thought, geez, it's just fascinating how you can make all these things happen and you can make uh, you know um, and you can pull up information and, and and then so i think 
painting is sort of like that too, where you, well, you're you're trying to pull together um, different entities, finding what unites them, or, or like what their relationship is. You know, what's the relationship of that color in the house to the background, to the mountain? And how does that work, you know? And, and does it set up any kind of particular vibration or harmony? One, one of the uh, favorite uh, lessons I had in painting class was uh, we used to have to get uh, um, uh, packs of Colorade, which is this really nice paper, but it's it's like about a two or 3,000 different colors. So, you know, you just... You, you run from, if you take green, you know, you'll have 50 or 100 shades of green. So we'd have problems like, uh, uh, and I forget who actually uh, uh, made this, um, for these first lessons, but our painting teacher gave them to us, and I've forgotten, I'm terrible with remembering names. But you would do things, like you'd have lessons where you would, like, say uh, you'd have one square here, one square here, different colors, and by depending on what you put on the back of them, they look the same, or you take two colors out of the same, putting something behind, you know, different colors behind them to make them look different. And so that relational thing, and, and so the, and then, then the romantic side of, of making colors sing, that's one of the things that always um, inspires me, you know, like when I start a painting, is the first I have to look at it and say, can I find the tune, can I find the melody in this, you know, you know, sometimes, Sometimes it doesn't happen, but then sometimes it's by surprise. Oh, you know, uh, you find that right, you know, that right combination. So I, I, I know some painters will have an idea uh, of what they're going to paint, and then they just paint it, and then, and then that's it, and then they just throw it away. But I, my approach is more like, well, I'm going to have a relationship with this painting, with this canvas now for the next... Uh, lately, it's more like a month or two months or three months, you know, and I'm and and I'm gonna grow a little bit from it, and hopefully, I'll leave this object behind, which is has some things that I want to look at in the future, and hopefully, other people will look at too. Yeah, boy, it seems like I'm just talking <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm as you're talking, I'm I'm thinking about. Um, we have a very, in, especially in our culture, we're very individual-focused. But that's not actually reality. None of us is standing out there in a field by, the, by ourselves. We're all only something in relationship to all of the elements around us. So it's kind of systems theory. It's this idea that it's the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So I, I think what you're describing is not only how do all these things relate, but how do you optimize these things with, with relationship to, to painting? How do you optimize the colors? How do you optimize the shapes and the light? And how do you, as you said, make things sing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, the challenge of, uh, seeing if you can do it. You know, I like to, I like to do paint paintings that I don't know how to do. Does that make sense? You know, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this or not. And that's you know, part of the kick for me is to see if I can do it. <laughs> that's interesting too, because some people, um, some people really want to drill down. They want simplicity. 
They want to know that they're going to be able to get from point A to point B. They're not motivated by that uncertainty that you're describing. But for you, the uncertainty is a driving force. Yeah. It's, the, it's the discovery that, that uh, is um, the reward. So I th- think of it in terms of, I think, I think my days are in terms of uh, exploration, discovery, and invention. So I try to side out each day with that exploration, you know, get a cup of coffee and go sit outside and, you know, just look at things for a while, just, and just practice looking. You know? And then it's like, this, you know, you discover, you know, usually it doesn't take long, but, you know, I, something clicks, you know, with that process of looking. And uh, so then I'll go into the studio and then I, I'm like, I, I'm already sort of like in second gear. And then the discovery is, you know, just getting in there, you know. I just, I love the, uh, the physical aspect of painting. I've always, always have loved it. Uh, I love um, my, my being, but my, who I am, like I'm, I am um, comfortable with fluids. That, if that makes sense, like, Pouring cement, making things. I'm, yeah, I just seem to know how. I know how to handle the viscosity of fluids. You know, um, um, so you get an affinity for your 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 materials. I guess is what I'm saying. And so uh, I I like working with hard things too, like lumber. You know, I'm a bit of a carpenter, and uh, you know, last summer I. Um, one of the things that um, I uh, wanted to do when I finally left my day job uh, was uh, to rebuild uh, this uh, garage, this sep- separate garages in my home, which is over 100 years old, and it had started rotting out in the last 10 years or so. So I did it, you know, I did it all by myself. And uh, I, um, and that was part of the, the thing, to do it by, you know, not to hire somebody, but to do it, and um, and I was able to do it. You know, now and then want to do it again, but it's you know um, uh, it's like something I had to do. So I had to cross that bridge, cross that Rubicon, get that done. Uh, probably I felt bad because for the last uh, fifteen years I had neglected the roof, and so it it, it had just and a tree fell on it. You know, and um, and so uh, I um, felt. You know that that practical need to to uh, repair it, but it was also this sort of art thing where, like, well, you know, the process of uh, designing it, uh, getting the rafters up. How do I get those up by myself? You know, stuff like that. Uh, I always uh, find it amazing what humans can do when they have to do it, and so I keep hoping that I keep hoping that eventually, as a a culture and and as a now as a uh, as a race, you know, the human race that will will kind of figure out. Oh, there's some things that we have to pay attention to, and 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 you know, maybe we should stop putting our mind to it instead of, you know, um, uh, instead of living and so instead of well, widen our focus, broaden our horizons, that kind of thing, you know. I was, well, 
for, through all, all my years, I had always worked. His, his, when I took a summer off from school, I uh, started with a friend of mine painting houses. And after, you know, a couple of houses, I was like, geez, I'm pretty good at this, you know, I can make some money. And so I worked that kind of stuff uh, all through uh, my mid-20s or so. And, um, and then, you know, I was, I was one of those guys that had a truck, you know, and, and a painting crew, and I'd paint houses. Uh, but while I was doing that, I did a lot of new construction, and I... Uh, observed all of the um, uh, bones going up. So I taught myself how to be a carpenter and a mason and a tile guy and a plumber and an electrician, you know. So now I know just enough to be really, really dangerous. Uh, but uh, uh, so I um, so I ended up being in facilities management, you know, um, started out in a in a in Worcester, Mass, as a, um, uh, they hired me on as a co painting contractor to paint some of the uh, their laboratories and whatnot, and uh, and then they liked me and I liked them, and they said, "Well, why don't you just work for us?" You know, and it was at the end of that building boom in the '80s, and things were, you know, the the building boom was coming to a close, and I said, "Yeah, I could use a change," so I did that, and then they paid for my uh, to finish up my bachelor's. Uh, and um, I went from, well, I ended up being in, you know, in the, in those, uh, what are the, I, I tried to say it in a pause. I ended up being a supervisor, and then later on I moved, I moved around and worked in Boston for a while, but becoming a facilities manager, which is making sure that all the lights are on and the toilets are flushing, you know, and people are comfortable. And, um, you know, um, so managing the trades, you know. And um, so I did that for, I did that for quite a while, and then, then there was a period where I just wasn't painting at all because I was just, I was so um, into the facilities management thing, and I was taking courses in that as well. And um, so it, 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 I find that I, 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 um, I get lost in my challenges. I <laughs> And, and and maybe I get too um, 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 too buried into them, but uh, and I, I always thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll I've always had paintings, at least a couple of paintings a year, anyways, you know, um, after school, and so I started um, to think uh, about maybe 15 years ago that well, I'm getting older and I'm not painting, I need to paint. And so I just did it, you know, just got the paints out. And then I, um, I, um, I just started devoting every evening. So uh, I had two jobs, you know, and uh, one was, you know, um, the being, being the daycare for facilities and then, um, uh, come home and paint into the evening. So I thought of it as my um, uh, uh, apprenticeship, uh, uh, and so that was that 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 was um, um, very productive. 
very productive. But it, it was costly too, you know. Um, I didn't sleep much and, and whatnot. And, and so now I'm happy just to be painting, you know. And um, um, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> but, you know. What your day job was and, yeah. and what your evening job was. Oh, yeah, and so now... the day job was was managing people. And, and that, you know, that has its um, interesting aspects to it. Um, but it's fascinating to hear you talk because you have a very um, significant interest in the abstract and translating the abstract into the physical. And yet somehow you ended up in a very physical um, world for your day job. But then the people aspect on top of that, which is probably somewhere between abstract and physical, yeah. I would say. Yes. But Very it's, abstract. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're, it seems like for you, you've always somehow kind of kept yourself up in the clouds somewhat, allowing your brain to make connections, but then also You've been needed, talking with my wife. Uh, <laughs> but also the groundedness, also the looking up at the roof and saying, oh, I think I need to fix that. So that's an interesting thing for people to be, for someone to, like you to be so abstract, but also needing so much to be grounded. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that assessment. Uh, uh, I was told that once before. Um, I was working in a shoe factory, one of the many jobs I had uh, in my late teens. Um, and I went from being this guy who was doing a back, was a back pot mold machine. So I'd take a, an upper, slip a piece of plastic in the heel, put the heel in this machine, pull a lever and it would form this back heel. I just did that eight hours a day, you know. And then I got a job as a, as a pots from manager. And it's like, oh, so this is completely different. Only because I volunteered time to do some inventory, stuff like that. And, and then so, yeah, so I, 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 I had, have this in, interest in how things are organized, how things relate to one another, and, and how, they prior, how they get prioritized, and how we prioritize as humans, because that's also constructed. And then, uh, but, um, and then they, brought in this um, guy from Maine who was um, a designer, pattern maker, not, well, pa designer, pattern maker, and they were teaching me how to do that. And that was really interesting. Uh, we would design shoes, and he was into designing these, um, well, we, we made boots, <laughs> but he was into designing like women's uh, fancy, you know, shoes, with, you know, with, with straps and no toes and all that stuff. So we, we were doing different things like that. And I had a great experience learning all this, but the guy had halitosis and I had to sit this close to him. It was horrible. It was just really horrible. And... Um, I was still pretty young. I don't know if I was maybe early 20s or whatever, but I, um, probably my teens. Anyhow, I, I just left. I just left. I said, I'm going back to school. <laughs> and that's what I did. I got a job being a waiter. And I went to school and 
you know. And then, so the owner of the factory, he saw me at the place where I was waiting, and he said, wow. He just he said that. He said, he goes, you know, you had an interesting combination of, of pragmatism and, uh, and, you know, vision or whatever, or whatever word. He, I like the word vision, so I'll throw that in there. I thought, that's interesting, you know. Uh, I think, um, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, it creates a, a, a dynamism. It creates a stress in me, you know, every day. There's that stress. And and, and I think um, that's important. It's part of how I get things done. Because without it, then, you know, what am I doing? You know, just sitting there reading a, a John Grisham novel or something, you know. But uh, um, so... You know, you think I think about all of the influences. Uh, my grandfather was a painter, and my father was was not. He was an engineer, and uh, my father was, you know, just you're not going to be an artist. You know, that's not going to happen. You know, and I'm one of four boys. You know, and I was the next to the youngest, so I had a really um, I had to think about that, you know, and I thought about that for many, many years, many decades. And so I, th I think one of the uh, premises I had was, well, if you put the paints away and you put the canvas away and you can do that and live with yourself and be comfortable, then you're not, you're not really a painter. So I tried it and um, the, the, the paints came back. I just had to do it, you know, so... I thought, okay, well, then, you know, all right, I'm going to be a painter, you know, and so now I'm going to really develop. And then this is, like I said, about 15 years ago. And I said, well, okay, I, 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 I know I'm not faking it. I, I'm not doing it because of the glamour, because of the money. Um, you know, I'm doing it because um, I need to or I want, or I want to anyways, you know. So that's, that's the... Um, you know that's the, that's the uh, the play. I think uh, I always for for years I just didn't understand um, what was the point of making art. You know, it's like Steve Martin's line. I felt like I had just enough philosophy to screw me up for about twenty years. You know, I just didn't like like is it is it so is it just a selfish kind of um, pursuit because you really have to you, you've got to push everybody out you know when you're when you're working and um, and it's lonely in the studio you know you know you know it's hours so you're just by yourself so you know um, you got to want to do all that you know but like why what's the point you know does art make a difference you know, does making does making art make a difference? Do poems do poems really affect anybody? You know, does a good novel really? You know, and and so and I kind of said, well, yeah, it does. I kind of need that stuff, you know. But I had such a hard time just getting over the training that was in my head that you just you're not going to do that, you know. So my because my father and my grandfather had you know had um, a difficult you know like any you know 
any, I suppose, parents had, you know, they, they, they had difficulties with the, although they reconciled the, toward the end. But, um, so my father was very much opposed to that. You contained those within yourself. You're, you're, you embodied your father and his father. And for years, your whole life, it sounds like, those, those yeah, like the tension, the tension yeah, yeah, yeah. With, within you. I mean, yeah. that's such a fascinating thing to know about yourself. And there's a poetic justice because now you're living back in the house that you grew up in. Yeah, so not only yes, have you I, you claimed yourself, but you went back and you claimed yourself within your own childhood. Am I going to have to pay for these? Lo- <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's... No, that's, that's cool. I like that. I mean, I, those are themes I think about, like, you know, that recycling or rechurning concepts, theories, uh, 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 ideas, just always returning them. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I, I was always a great mimic, you know, not as great as my nephew, Drew, but who, who can mimic anybody in any language, and you, you just amaze me. But I was pretty good at mimicking uh, Fess, um, what's his name? The guy who played Daniel Boone. <laughs> when I was in TV as a kid, Fess Parker, yeah, I I I would um, I would uh, feel like a uh, persona, and sort of just sort of like take it on, you know, eight years old, whatever. And we lived in the country, you know, and there was, there was woods and farmlands around. So we we're always as kids, you know, we'd get pushed out the door in the morning and come back when the lights, street lights, come on. And and so uh, I had this vivid imagination about uh, being. Uh, first time I thought I was Davy Crockett because obviously we had the same initials. So I must have been the reincarnation of Davy Crockett, which meant I probably had a pretty bad end coming on my way, you know. But I was convinced, you know. And then I went through a civil war period where I was uh, just fascinated by the civil war, and um, and and so I had a little civil war out. You know, uniform. I, I don't know what I am. I'm eight years old, maybe. Sword, you know, plastic sword, and I'd be out there having battles all day long. And um, you know, so th- those were. Uh, and, and there, when I was growing up, there weren't um, children in my neighborhood. We were. Pre- it was pretty rural, and so the, the I there was a. Um, um, a boy younger than me uh, next door and a sister who was and his older sister who was my age and so he ended up playing with his sister most of the time so I ended up playing by myself being forced to use you know imagination whatever. so when I, um, yeah that's funny I just uh, you know uh, uh, the imagination about uh, and the, the so the reason I brought all the mimicking up is because it, it's another way of getting into like understanding something is by taking it on. You know, I suppose actors do that. You know, um, it's a way of understanding the world or, or, or you know processing it. And then the challenge, of course, is when do you leave off the mimicking? And get back to that thing that you were describing before when you were talking about teaching. Where do you leave off what is important to embody and embrace and understand to yeah. come to your own place? 
Nancy and I would just take a ride out in the uh, hills um, when we would uh, have that question thrown at us. Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Was that Ronald Reagan? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't do it anymore. Well, because a lot of people probably don't know what he sounds yeah, like, right? Yeah, but, but I, I do, yeah, so but I've, thank I've, you. I've lost my gift to be a good mimic, but I used to be able to do it pretty good. Um, but um, I, um, you know what, like Robin Williams, Jonathan Winters, they were some of my heroes when I was growing up. I used to love to watch Jonathan Winters on Johnny Carson. I'd sneak into the, uh, my brother was uh, away, my oldest brother, so I'd sneak into his bedroom at night and turn the TV on and watch Jonathan Winters. Uh, I mean, watch Johnny Carson and Jonathan Winters was on. And I thought, wow, he's so different from everybody else. He's just, you know, it's stream of consciousness. He's out there. He's just pulling from here. He's pulling from there. And he's making it work somehow. He's making, he's making you connect with those unexpected relationships. And I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. And then Robin Williams was pretty wild at that. So I... I um, I, I I find that I, I used to find that just like uh, mimicking a character was a way of expressing a well-rounded concept. You know, you know, it's like I don't know. You know, I don't I don't apologize. You know, for for you know for this life I live. You know. You know, you know the Godfather. You know, I did a whole speech in uh, college once where I, we had, I had to take speech class. But I'm, I'm really bad at at giving a a a practice speech. I said, well, I'll never, I'll never be able to do this. But I knew that I was able to mimic. So I just got up front of the class and did this like whole rendition with Marlon Brando's Godfather, and that worked out well for me. You know, so uh, again, it was like I didn't know if I could do it, but. It would be, it's going to be fun to try it, you know. What's the worst? I'll get a bad mark, you know. But, um, so, I don't know. It just seems like everything, for me, comes to me from an oblique angle, or, or rather, I approach everything from an oblique angle. Like, I wanted to be a painter, but I couldn't, couldn't go from school to being a painter. I had to do all these other activities as well, you know. But I always thought that, well, um, all of those other activities are part of what makes being an artist um, work. They, they're the elements of your, your process uh, uh, you, where you're reaching out to this and reaching out to that, pulling in color, pulling, up so pulling in sound, pulling in comedy, irony, etc. So, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't understand the world, but I'd like to, you know, so I keep trying. You and I are on the same page. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. It makes yeah. it kind of fun, doesn't it? Well, it, it makes it interesting, right? It makes it, it, I'm still curious. I'm still curious as to like, wow, like, you know, the, the, don't we live in interesting times today, you know, like, it's it's just incredible to me how uh, how um, how how well I I think we're we're just in such a uh, an upheaval you know a whole I, I guess and I'm, I, I'm I think I'm speaking globally but also from my experience 
within the country where we're just so um we've gone from having the uh a kind of unified uh, umbrella of thought of 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 world view to this just you know diverse and and you know out out to the ends you know instead of being on the top of the bell curve now it seems like the ends, uh, the bottom ends, are where everybody is residing, you know, on one end or the other. And oh, I just kind of wished people would get back to being critical thinkers, be more reasonable, be kind, you know. And, uh, and, um, and so, kids, if you send me five dollars, <laughs> you know, I, I. I, you know, I, I, I'm certainly not a, um, a, 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 um, an evangelist or a, 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 I say, I'm not all that altruistic. I think I'm a pretty selfish person. I, I think, you know, I, uh, an, an insular, you know, so, uh, but there are some things, you know, I think that uh, need to be said you know or at least observe or at least stated like you know like this is crazy <laughs> i think you know our, our our um our um the turmoil that we find ourselves in and you know if i think that we um historically we're just we're just you know we're in that historic place where things start to fall apart. And, uh, and isn't that an interesting time to live in? You know, well, it sure is, because as systems and things start to fall apart, uh, I guess there's more opportunities for humans to be human or not, you know, or, the, you know, or less so. So I don't know. I just... It hurts a little bit, you know? But if you send five dollars to this address, <laughs> what was the guy on Saturday Night Live? He used to, Al Franken. I used to love him. He'd always, uh, you know, he'd give a little political speech, and then he said, "Send five dollars in an envelope." Um, you, you know, you can send five dollars. Um, you can staple it to a say like a a, a two thousand and five Porsche and send that to me, and that would be fine, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with that, but. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I get, I get kind of antsy. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed speaking with you and I appreciate your taking the time to come in and, uh, and talk with us today. Thank you for talking with me. Yeah. Appreciate it. I, I'll have to uh, send me a bill for the uh, counseling. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was no counseling. Observations only. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been speaking with artist Doug Caves. If you'd like to see more of his work, it is at the Portland Art Gallery and on the Portland Art Gallery website. Um, I've really enjoyed having the opportunity to kind of ponder the larger questions of the world and art. So thank you for doing that with me today, Doug. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. <laughs>